Today is Vision Sunday. And, and Vision Sunday is a day once a year that we take out of our normal schedule, come together and remind ourselves why we do what we do. I have a, um, a new thing for my year. Where'd you all go? Actually, I should be doing this, right? Because these are reading glasses and that doesn't work at all now. Oh, wow. Um, I'll fall over. So, so why would I get these? Other than people have been telling me for five years now um, that it's time and I've been resistant. My goal was to make it to 50 before I got them. And I did. Um, why, would I, would I, why would I get reading glasses? To see better, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll ignore Pastor AJ's response that'll get him fired. <laughs> to see better, right? It's really hard to read when you can't read what's there, when you can't see what's there. And so eventually, it's nice with my sermon notes, it's all printed, so I just print the font a little bigger. That's my, my secret there. But with, the, with reading out of the Word, it's hard to read those sometimes because the font shrinks over the years. But we need something that will help us see clearly to see the Word of God or to see what we're reading, to see the direction. Vision Sunday is a lot like that. Each year when we do Vision Sunday, we don't come up with a whole new direction for village. It's not like, okay, this year we're going to abandon what the Bible teaches here. It's roughly the same every year, and, and we are doing more course corrections. Like an airplane going to New York or something, pilots say they make hundreds of course corrections along the way to get to the right destination. And that's what Vision Sunday is about. It's about protecting against that drift away and saying, okay, where are we going? I love some of the songs that Joshua chose this morning. That last one, Cornerstone, made me just think about the church and why the church. And, and if you think about it, Jesus is our why. And let me explain what I mean there, because there's two different aspects of that. I'm, I'm singing the song, and I'm like, he's our source. He's the why we exist, right? He's, he created the church. The church wasn't my idea. It wasn't the elder board's idea. The church was God's idea. And so Jesus created the church, and, and he founded it. And so there is a, a firm foundation, a sure cornerstone with that. But he's also our why when we think of our purpose, Because since he created it, he gets to tell us what we should do and what we should be about. And when we think about that, we're going to explore this morning, his will and what he says to do, that is also our why. It's why we exist. It's what we are to be spending our time doing. And so Vision Sunday helps keep us from getting off track, but it also helps us see how we can progress in doing God's work. It is a little bit like putting on some glasses once a year and saying, how are we doing? How are we doing on some of what we know is important in God's Word that the church should be doing? Where do we need to maybe improve a little bit this year and and redirect a little bit this year? And so it reminds us why we do what we're doing. For those of you that are new with us this year, this also lets you know what we're about. Because these are our fence posts that, that we say this vision, and when we go through our core values today, this is why we exist. And everything we do here is going to come under one of our core values everything we do and if it doesn't we don't do it and so this is a chance to get to know us better it's a chance for us to make sure we're on track it also gives us a chance as elders and pastors to share what's our heart for this year 
What's our heart? What, how do we implement these things, these core values in, in a, a different way this year or in a better way this year for where God is leading us? Times change and, and, and different things change and needs of our community change and needs of our church community change. And so where is God leading us? And our vision statement is building Christ-focused families that disciple their communities for him. And if you had to expand that a little bit and summarize it as we want to be a family of vibrant, growing disciples that are building Christ-focused families and are in turn discipling the people who are in our own communities or in our own circles to follow Jesus. And, and if, you, if you think of that as a couple of halves, last year we talked a lot about family and we said, as family we go. And I, I stole an album title from Rain Collective. And as family we go... And we talked about what it means to be a church family and and a lot of wonderful things there. But this year, I want to take that and say, okay, why are we a church family? What is church family supposed to be doing? And even in our vision statement, when we say building Christ-focused families and we're a family of families as a church family, that's not the end of the statement. The second half is where we want to focus this year, that disciple their communities for him. We have options. We could just come on Sunday, sit in these nice, comfy, padded chairs. Oh, I remember the wood pews. (laughs) These are comfy, padded chairs. We could sit here, listen to some things, sing some songs, and just, ah, it feels good, and go home. But that is not the why of church. It's not the why of what village is to be about. We are here to make disciples. First and foremost, we are here to disciple our communities to him. And so this morning, we're, we're going to continue in Luke. Interestingly enough, the next paragraph in Luke ties into our vision statement and ties into our vision. So we're going to uh, look at that. Then we're going to look at our core values and talk about some things we're going to do this year. How can we be a discipling family? How can we be a, a real growing discipling family that is making a difference for the kingdom of God? Now, now, one of the ways that, that sometimes I word this is how can we make discipleship part of our DNA? Now, chances are you haven't gotten your blood out and looked at your DNA recently, but your DNA is part of every part of you, right? Every cell in your body has your DNA. So if we say we want discipleship to be part of the DNA of village, that means we want discipleship to be part of everything we do. We want it to be who we are. And so we'll, we'll explore that a little bit, and that'll be a lot of things we do this year um, will have to do with making that happen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Last week, Pastor Andrew shared and, and taught out of the section right before this the parable of the soils, right? And we talked about are our, our, our we the path that the, the Word of God just sits on and doesn't permeate? Are we the rocky soil or, or are we the, the good soil? Are, are we the soil that is tilled and ready to hear God's word? And the challenge of that was to be receptive to God's word, to be ready to hear, to be good listeners. And Luke here, in, in 19 through 21, the paragraph today, it's, it's just a continuation of the teaching from that parable because now he's going to describe what it looks like to be a good listener, what it looks like to actually be good soil and give a return on, on Christ's words, on his words here and then in God's word as we study it. So in Luke chapter 8, verse 19 through 21, I want to read these verses. Then his mother, and it's talking about Jesus here, he's teaching. 
his mother and his brothers came to him. And this is probably Mary and his brothers would have been children Joseph and Mary had after Jesus was born. Um, And so his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. So get the picture here. Jesus' teaching has, has been effective. Miracles have been happening. We've, we've, we've studied the, the young man that was raised from the dead during his funeral procession in front of all the guests. We, we've talked about other healings, and we're going to continue to talk about that. So Jesus' fame is growing. People are hearing about it. People are coming and hearing about the kingdom of God. And there's this crowd, this press. And Mary and his brothers come along, we know from Mark, because they think he's a little crazy. And they come along and are trying to talk to him, trying to pull him aside and talk to him. But they can't get to him. Crowd's too thick. Someone finally got to Jesus, not them, but someone else. And and he was told in verse 20, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And we see in this short little paragraph just two quick things that I I want to, to grab out of this before we move to our core values. We see Jesus completely redefining family. And what it means to be family. We we need to understand the setting here. Culturally, there was a very high view of family, especially your mom. If mom asked you to do something, you did it. Okay? So you honored your parents. Oh, that we'd get back to that a little bit in our culture. But but they understood this. And so your, your, your blood was the most important relationships in your life. And so, number one, for them not to be able to reach them, there would have been, there's a tension already set up. They would have expected that the seas would part and they would be able to get to him. But that's not what happened. Because Jesus is given over to ministry. He's given over to spiritual family. It's a reminder to us that our duty to God takes precedence above all else. All else. If anything comes before our duty to God, it's an idol, including family. And here he's redefining family. He's not rejecting his physical family, but he's showing the priority of spiritual family. And and, and verse 21, is it just brings that home. But he answered them. And when he says, my mother and my brothers are those, and he goes on from there, you could translate that. The the, the sense is, my real mother and my real brothers are not my physical kin, but those who listen and do. Those who listen and do. First point I want to grab out of that that verse, verse 21 is that spiritual family involves a greater commitment than just hearing and warming a chair. Spiritual family involves a greater commitment than just hearing and warming a chair. Do you catch what Jesus said? Who are my, who's my mother? Who's my, my brothers? Those that hear God's word. Those that go to a Bible study and take good notes. Those that listen to five different podcasts every week. Those that mark their Bibles all up. Now, that's not what he says. He says those that hear the word of God and do it and put it into practice. So many times we can hear all kinds of Christianese and good Christian teaching, 
But if we're not actually stepping out and obeying it, if we're not stepping out and doing the will of God, man, that's not a commitment. That's not true spiritual family. That's not what Jesus is looking for. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Or as Mark says, that do the will of the Father. And so when, when, when Jesus is sharing this, and, and he, the words he uses here, the hear and the do, they're actually participles. Any English geeks here? Sorry, geeks isn't the right word, right? No, I'm a geek, so I use geeks, and it's not a negative thing. Um, it, the English here is a participle, which means an ongoing, continuing action. Participles are almost always in English with an ing ending, right? I can run, which is a verb, or if I'm running, that's a participle. And it has this idea of action and ongoing action. The words Jesus uses here are both participles. He says those that are hearing and continue to hear God's word and doing, continually putting it into practice, that it's part of their DNA, that it's part of who they are. And so he is using just vivid language to say, you want to be part of my family, my mother, my brother? Then it's a greater commitment than just hearing. It means doing. Getting up and putting it into practice. Going beyond that head knowledge. There's a a, a couple of ways to think about the doing. One is, one of our thoughts should go to, I should be obeying God's instruction. I should be not sinning, right? That's the sanctification, that ongoing each day, I'm becoming more Christ-like. I'm getting rid of sin in my life. Those things that, that are an offense to a perfect and holy God. And that is part of the doing. That, that's part of doing the will of the Father. But another part of doing the will of the Father is actively going out and obeying His directives, right? It's, it's doing His work. Doing His will. And so that's where we start asking questions like, what does he want us to do? What's the job he's given us? And we're going to look at the Great Commission today because we want to be a church that's all about the Great Commission because he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so if we, if we want to know what Jesus says to do, he says to go, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Hearing and doing is what this is about and what we want to be about as a church. In James 1, 22-25, and, and if, you, if you want to flip there in your app or your Bible real quickly, it's a great passage that ties into this. James 1, 22-25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And, and I picture James here reflecting probably on Jesus' teaching a little bit here. James very well could have been one of the guys that was rejected in that story. And he's writing this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so James is painting a picture here. If you get, most of you got up this morning and looked in the mirror. We can probably tell who didn't. 
right? Because you look in the mirror for a purpose. It's not to say, oh, yeah, God did good today. No, no, that's not. We, we look in a mirror to fix things, right? And, and so James is saying that's what the Word of God is like. It's like looking in a mirror and we could go away unchanged and it's worthless and our hair's still a mess and, and all kinds of trouble. But James is saying the Word of God is designed for us to come and look intently at and it shows us what we need to fix. It shows us what we need to do, where our priorities should be, how we should spend our time this week. What should be most important to us? And then our choice is, do we do it? Do we do anything about it? Or do we just walk away and forget? That's the picture James is setting up here, reflecting on Jesus' words. We don't want to be just hearers, but we want to be doers who, as James says, who act. Who act. And so Jesus is painting a picture of new family but a family that has a greater commitment than just hearing and warming a chair. You know, if, if, if you're looking for intimacy with God this year, if you're looking to draw close to God, listening isn't enough. Listening and doing are key to intimacy with God. It's key to being part of the family. Now, now I, I want to be careful here how we word this, because I'm not saying that those that just listen to God's word aren't part of God's family. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have acknowledged that He died for your sins and given your life to Him, then you are adopted into God's family. But there's a different level of commitment to those that then are going out and pursuing the work of God that are doing the work of God. And we just had family get-togethers, right? I know last year at Vision Sunday I talked about Crazy Uncle Joe. Oh, Joe's, none of our Joes are here. Oh, there. Joe's there. Thank you. I was looking for Joe's and Nika. I, 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 of course, wasn't talking about you. But what about, what about distant Uncle Joe? Or estranged Uncle Joe? You had people at your family functions that probably you had never seen all year. And, and you just got together and it was close and intimate and it was good, right? No, it's awkward and you stumble through conversations because you don't know them. And the same is true in the family of God. There may be some that, that have been adopted as sons and daughters of God, but aren't acting as part of the family. And the difference is whether they're doing the will of God. See, sin separates us and creates a distance. Not being about the same things, not being about the same priorities creates separation and distance. It's the ongoing doing of God's Word that draws us together as a family. You know, close to 100 of you participated in the Living Nativity. And at the end of the last night of Living Nativity, it's always sort of sad to leave. We've lived together for, for like 20 hours in the last three days. And we have served together and we have done something far beyond what any of us could do alone for the kingdom, for Christ. And that creates a bond, that creates an intimacy in the family that can't be replaced in any other way. Yeah, we could have a nice social club and get along really well, but there's nothing like serving together, like doing the will of the Father together to bring us together. And so my challenge to us is how committed are we to the work? How committed are we to God's work? Not just at Village, but in our own lives, the things we know that He wants us to do, because that makes a difference in real family. 
Jesus is saying true family are the people that listen to God's word but also do it. And so we want to be a true growing family, as Jesus has said. But in doing God's word, we want to be a discipling family. Point number two, and just another quick thought out of this verse. Spiritual family is just as real as biological family. Spiritual family is just as real as biological family. Consider adoption. Near and dear my heart, you know my story. Two of my kids are adopted. They are my kids. Period. They aren't my adopted kids. They are my kids. And, and I have joy and I'm proud of them and they frustrate me and we discipline. I, they are my kids. And what Jesus is saying, when we come to spiritual family, where we are adopted into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters of God, we are His family. Period. And that is just as real as our biological family. And so many times I think we give lip service to that but we struggle to actually believe it. How many of you have acknowledged that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and given your life to him? Thank you, my brothers and my sisters. We're all adopted into the same family, and it's a real family. And yeah, I know that that has all kinds of challenges. When when 200 of us get together, every now and then people have different ideas. Rarely. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes we even rub each other wrong. Don't tell me that never happens in your home. This is family. And we love each other. We get through it. And it's real family. We do that by being about God's work. We need a purpose. And Jesus is saying, so Jesus is saying that we need to hear and do. I know that was one of our youth themes a few years back, I think. And if you start looking through Scripture, and some of the youth will tell you, if you start looking through Scripture, hear and do is everywhere. It's everywhere. Because, because Jesus is looking for disciples that are actually willing to mean what they say and put it into practice. So true church family is doing God's will. I, I love what one, one of the commentaries had a, a, just a, a little helpful list when it comes to doing God's word. Has God's word impressed on you that you must forgive? Then do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must confess a wrongdoing? Do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must apologize? So do it. Do you get the pattern here? Has God's word impressed on you that you must speak the truth regardless of the consequences? Then do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must discontinue a certain practice? Do it or stop doing it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must make a gift? Do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must share the gospel with someone you know? Do it today if you can. Has God's word impressed on you that you must leave all to serve him? Do it. Church family is doing God's will. Growing in Christ-likeness and then doing God's mission. Doing God's mission. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and I, I mentioned this already. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, 
to the very end of the age. So that's what we want to do. We want to do it this year. We want to say, we've talked about discipleship. Now, how do we make this part of who we are? How do we make this part of everything that we do? Every ministry, every time we get together. How can it be the front of mind? I think it's good to review our definition of discipleship or discipling. And and I, I think I put this in your notes. Discipling is an intentional relationship to walk life with another so that you can encourage, equip, and challenge each other with loving accountability to follow Christ and disciple others. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's worth just rereading this week a few times and starting to digest it. But basically it means I'm going to start being in relationships with other people that help them grow to be like Christ and help them do God's will and help them go out and do God's will. Part of the the title I have in your notes is Permeating Discipleship. I almost put infiltrating discipleship, but that might have a different tone. But when something is, is permeated, what does that mean, right? If, if my shirt is permeated with water, that means water is in and around. It's just completely full of water, right? We're not going to do an example of that this morning. Um, if, if, something, if your family is permeated with sarcasm, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, it means it's part of, part of what you are, right? That, that's what you're known for. So if we say we're permeated with discipleship, that means every person that comes in this year and, and as they spend any time with us should be like, that church is about discipleship. That's what it would mean to be permeated. And so we ask the question, how can discipleship be part of everything we do? How, and, and I'm going to ask that this morning. We'll, we'll interact a little bit more. It's Vision Sunday. I can do whatever I want, right? Um, how can we make discipleship part of our DNA, part of everything we do? Give me some ideas. Okay, bring somebody younger to do a ministry with you. So something you're already going to do, but now you add a discipleship component to it. You get, get that? Makes sense. What else? Yeah, ask someone to disciple you in a certain area. And, and it can be just six months. It can be three months, but... But think through an area you need to work on or you want to work on and ask someone to disciple you. For the, Some of you are, are, are a little older with a little more wisdom. Maybe you need to ask someone else if you can come alongside them and disciple them. What else? How do we make it part of our DNA? Amen. First thing, if we prayed every day that God would give us someone that we could influence that day for him, that we could disciple for him today, God is going to answer that prayer. He's going to, and it's going to change your year. Yeah. Consistency has to be part of this, right? Faithfulness over a period of time. What else? Yeah. Absolutely. Did you guys catch that? Maybe not think of it it has to be huge, but it could be little things. It might be one Sunday that you bring someone along to help you with something and you encourage them in their faith. See, I, I think when we think of discipleship, we so often think of a big program. And, and if any of you answered, well, Pastor Ron, you need to design this whole program and then make it happen in the church and we'll spend 10 extra hours a week on this program. No, 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 that's not making it part of everything you do. But it, it could be that little time. You know, women's Bible studies are starting up in two weeks, right? Week and a half, something like that. Wonderful opportunity, ladies. Do you know that that's part of discipleship? 
going to that, and, and especially the tone and the atmosphere where it's in-depth learning, but then praying and caring for each other, discipleship happens there. Fair enough? Is it? Yeah. And, and so it may be ladies at one of those events pulling someone aside and, and saying, I, I think God, God wants me to pray for you. How can I encourage you this week? How can I? And then write a note or something later that week. That's part of discipleship, bringing someone closer to God in their walk with God. Now, this can easily devolve into, well, I'm just going to have good friendships. And, and there is a lot of overlap. A good spiritual friendship is going to be a discipling relationship. But this isn't just about, I'm going to go have a good time and watch Star Wars with people I know. This is about, how can I influence them to walk closer to God and serve him better? That's what discipleship's about. And it can be part of everything we do. You know, we have our core values on the wall over here. And in the next 15 minutes, I want to run through those core values and just mention a a few of the ways because we want to think, how can discipleship permeate every one of those core values this year? How can we have an eye to discipleship as we're ministering, as was mentioned, or as we're in Sunday school classes, or as we're coming together to hear God's word, or as we're reaching out? And so our, our four core values, and, and interestingly enough, these are really the four steps of discipleship. If you think of discipleship, it starts with outreach. You hear the gospel, you come to Christ, and then community is part of it, where you start to be part of the family of God. And then spiritual growth as we're refined into Christ's likeness. We study God's word and the spiritual disciplines. And ministry then, as we grow closer to God, we just have to serve. We have to be about the king's business. And, and so these are the steps of discipleship. But how can we as a church then infuse discipleship into every one of these? And the four core values you have there in your notes, the first one is real church family is devoted to outreach. We've already read Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission, twice. And we want to be a Great Commission church, a Great Commission people. We want to be a people that are always thinking, how can I be reaching people for Christ? And this means sharing the gospel with those next door and those around the world. And so our, our outreach efforts are part of this. Our missions efforts are part of this. We did the window, and, and we'll bring that back out this year where you did stick figures, right? You each picked a stick figure that represented someone that you knew that needed Jesus, that needed the best news ever, that needed the life-giving news of the gospel. And the commitment was, I'm going to pray for that person every day. And you took one home and put it somewhere where you could see it and you put one on the board. Remember that. This goes back to sort of what John was saying. Who can you be praying for every day? Whether it be a neighbor or a coworker. And pray for opportunities to share the gospel. The the thing with outreach, and you're going to hear me say this over and over with our our core values and and with discipleship, but it applies to outreach. Outreach isn't a program. So if, let me just take Living Nativity as an example. We just did Living Nativity. It is a huge outreach event that we do. Probably the biggest outreach event that we do as a church. If, If the mindset is, praise God, village is doing outreach, we're done, we've failed. I don't want to do living nativity again. If if that's our mindset. If the mindset is, this is just a tool that we as a church can now, each of us do outreach, now I'm all over that. That's awesome. If I can be thinking, you know, this is a great tool that I can bring a neighbor to. And they can see the gospel, and then I can talk to them afterwards. 
I want the church to be an equipping tool, not do your work for you. Because if the church is the only one doing outreach, we do lousy outreach as, a, as an organization. Because outreach at its heart is individual and relationship-based. As a church, we don't get into your neighbor's lives and show them God's love. But we give you opportunities for you to do that. So you see the difference? It's a distinction. And so when we talk about outreach, we want to talk about how can I, as a child of God, do the will of the Father, listen and do, but then how can we as a church support that and give opportunities for that? And so I, I loved seeing Project Touch and us hit every home in this neighborhood with a gift and, and with, with the gospel. And those are just ways that we can come together and, and, and share the gospel with those around. I love how this church supports missions. And by supports, I don't just mean writing a check. Our missionaries consistently say that they know people at Village and feel like this is one of their church families. That's amazing. Good job. Good job caring for our missionaries. I encourage you, make sure you know at least one of our missionaries and friend them on Facebook and actually talk to them every now and then on Facebook. They love it. We hear that all the time. Don't waver your, for your support for Awana. Great things are happening with the gospel being shared there. Don't waver in Second Harvest. In fact, I would challenge you, reinvest in Second Harvest. Come out next month and be part of that. These are all ways that we as a church family are doing outreach together. Not just that the church is doing it, but we have opportunities to do it. One of the things we're going to be starting this year is an outreach team. And, and I'm always hesitant with that name. Because like, great, we have a team to do outreach. I don't have to anymore. Woohoo! I hate that one. No, an outreach team is going to be planning and looking at opportunities for us as a church to, to be more involved in our community. To do things like Living Nativity or to do things like reach out to the hundred families that every summer are over at the park in, in Little League. Um, are, are we even making a difference in our community? And so that's going to be an out-of-the-box team. And what I mean by that is the sky's the limit. I want them to dream. I want them to think, what might God do in Garden Grove because of Village? And let's see what happens. And that's, so that's one of the things that's going to be happening this year. And, and, and you'll hear at a number of these, I'm looking at building teams for a number of our core, core values because as you, as you minister in a team, what happens? What's to be our DNA? Discipleship. And so if we can, and I think Sarah, you were the one with that, to bring someone alongside to minister with you. I, as we start these teams, I want to build that right into the team. Where, where discipleship and caring for each other, challenging each other, spurring each other on to loving good works is part of what that's about. So we're to be committed to outreach. Second core value is community. Real church family is devoted to building community. We've spent a lot of time this last year talking about that. And this means in engaging people, engaging people that aren't in our circles and making them part of our circle, welcoming people. The question there is, who does God want you to connect with every, every week when you come? And I challenge you, every week, connect with someone you don't know. And, and that may sound hard. Oh, we're, you know, we're a small church. We know everybody. I guarantee no one here knows everybody. 
I guarantee it, because God has blessed us and brought us a lot of new people, and, and I know some people have moved away to far-off places. <laughs> Needed to, almost said countries. But God has brought other families in, and, and we're a church family. We need to be sure that we're building that community. I love Acts 2.42 when it describes the early church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And you see them devoted to actually a number of these core values, spiritual growth, but the fellowship or community, the koinonia of sharing life together and sharing work together. And so when we think community, when you think community, think building positive Christian relationships that spur us to Christ-likeness, ministry, and outreach. Yeah, that sounds a lot like discipleship. And it is. And so don't neglect that. Come early on Sunday mornings and, and greet people, meet people. Come get a cup of coffee. Or, or the, the third Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to say whoever wants to go get fast food or, or if you want to get nicer than fast food, that's fine. Come back and let's eat together in the gym and, and we'll put a bunch of tables together and, and sit with someone you don't know. I mean, the, the, what I'm watching on that is, is now that we've done it a while, we sort of have who we sit with every Sunday. And it's no longer accomplishing the purpose. So sit with people you don't know at that. And remember, one of our core values is community. You know, come to community groups. Um, the, the, the Thursday night community group starts in a week and a half. That starts back up um, for, for any of the adults. Our young adult community group on Friday night started back up this last week. We had a great group, and I encourage you to be part of one of those. It's a great place for community and care. And we're, we're looking at bringing back dinner six and we're still in process of that we're going to re- rebrand it to table fellowship i think pastor aj is working on that chance to get in each other's homes um, one of the other things that that we're going to do a team for this is um, you've been seeing it in the worship folder we're going to have a welcome team and this team again is going to explore all kinds of ways that we can improve our welcome on sunday mornings and improve bringing people into the family and so um, in, in two Sundays from now, we're going to meet for an interest meeting right after Sunday school, 1230. Come, be part of that team. It doesn't mean you have to stand at the door and shake 20 million hands. It might mean, hey, for one Sunday, I'll be in the, in the sanctuary, and if I see someone I don't know, I'll go ask them, hey, can, can I answer any questions? Good to see you. All kinds of other possibilities. Um, we'd love to to have that team create some sort of a, a, a lunch or get-together for newer people here that, you can, that we can all get to know each other better. But again, the sky's the limit on that team. And we encourage you to, to come be part of that. Last two core values, because I, I see that we are running out of time. Real church family is devoted to spiritual growth. We are devoted to spiritual growth. Every person in here can become more Christ-like this year. If you think that you can't because you've arrived and you're there, you're not. Forget the sarcasm. You're not. Every one of us, this side of eternity, should still be growing every year, myself included. And so we want to be about spiritual growth. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, the will of, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word for transformed there you've heard me talk about is, is where we get metamorphosis. It's meta, metamorpho. And it's to change completely. And we're, we're being changed degree by degree, as Paul says, into the likeness of God. And to do this, you will always, and this isn't going to change at Village, there will always be a commitment to studying the Bible on Sunday morning and in our classes to be studying the Bible because that's how we're changed. That, the, the, the Holy Spirit through the Word of God changes us. And there's all kinds of options. Today we start three new adult education classes and I encourage you to be, be part of those. Um, this is so essential to discipleship But here, this is where in Sunday school classes and in different options, we want to again make discipleship part of our DNA. So second session of Sunday school classes a little later this year, we're going to take one of the Sunday school classes and it's going to be just a discipleship class. We'll do a little bit of teaching on discipleship. And this is so important that we're going to take a class and for for most of the, the 15 weeks, we're going to say, okay, now go do it. Now go do it. I know schedules are busy. So let's take 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and at least get the ball rolling. And we're going to do that second session this year as one of our options. And, and not everyone has to be part of that, but I encourage you to think about that. Because discipleship is part of who we are. It's part of what God wants for his church. You know, at, at the end of February, you heard Phil talk about the, the Work is Worship conference. And everyone's invited to that. I encourage you to come. I'm excited about that for ways that we can start to see our work as part of how we give glory to God. This is, this is incredible. So what we're going to do bring, to bring discipleship into that, we're going to follow that up in our men's ministry. And we're gonna, instead of 33 for the spring, we've been doing 33, we're going to do a, a book called The Gospel at Work. And there, there, a little bit of teaching time, then we're going to break up into discipleship groups. Because this book has the greatest discussion questions that I've ever seen in a book at the back. So we're going to break into discipleship. We're going to do it. We're going to be about discipleship this year. My prayer is that you'll get on board because it will change your life. It will change your life to be more Christ-like and to be more diligent with his work. We're also starting a a Sunday morning prep team. And um, a little later this year, we're working on a worship um, service planning team. But the Sunday morning prep team also in two weeks is meeting. A little bit of advertising this morning, right? Um, and, and that's a team. Now, you may think, well, that's not a very spiritual team. This is the team that gets the, the facilities ready for us for worship on Sunday morning because worship is part of spiritual growth. And so this team will be, even, even this morning, we realized the Sunday school class wasn't set up. And so a couple people started setting it, which is great. That's what we want. But we'd like a team that actually has a list of, oh, that Sunday school class should be set up. Or do we sweep here or make sure the worship folder is done? Those things are, are, are part of spiritual service, guys. It's something anyone can do, but that's part of spiritual service. If you walk in and there are no chairs in here, that affects worship, at least for any of us over 30. Uh, that, that affects worship. And so you can say, well, setting up chairs isn't very spiritual. It's very spiritual because we are enabling worship to happen. Be part of it. See what God is doing. See what he's going to do. 
and we'll come together. My, my hope for some of these teams is that we get enough people to do it where maybe each person takes one week a month um, that's on the team. The last thing, which, which sort of incorporates a lot of what we've been talking about, real church family is devoted to ministry. We're devoted to ministry. And Joshua read some verses about that this morning. But we're called to serve each other and to serve God. In Ephesians 4.16, we read, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love this verse and I'm challenged by this verse because what what God is saying through his word is the church grows when each part is working properly. The inverse is the implication. The church doesn't grow when people aren't doing the will of God, when people aren't doing the proper work, when people aren't in ministry. And so we're committed to to, to ministry. It's one of our core, core values to ministering together. Thus these teams... Because we know at our heart, we are servants. That's what the Bible calls us. That's what Jesus calls us. And so we want to act like servants. The question to ask on this one is, where can I contribute to God's work this year? Where can I be part of it? Where can I give my, my time and my efforts to God's work this year? Four core values. I hope they're not new but they're the, the, the guardrails that keep us going in the right direction. Outreach, community, spiritual growth, and ministry. And the, the question for the year is how can we permeate discipleship into every one of those things? Let's disciple this year, guys. You, you with me? Let's be part of each other's lives, challenge each other to grow closer to God and to do his work. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this church. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about opportunities to hand off ministry and to, to see the body ministering and the church family ministering and to see what new ideas will come and, and how you will lead, Lord. I'm excited to see us as we invest in each other's lives to see you sanctify us, to take care of sin issues, to challenge us to walk with you, to serve you, Lord, help us to be your true, real mother and brothers that are not just listening to your word, but doing it and putting it into practice. We give our year to you, excited to see how you use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name.